This podcast represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, and the guests. It should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. I was going to start this podcast with a let's go heat, let's go Panthers chant, but um, I, last night my wife went to mom prom and she came back this morning and she told me that some of the the moms that went to mom prom went to the event in a minivan. And I, I thought to myself, is there a more appropriate vehicle? for a mother to go to mom prom in than a minivan. I, I thought minivan and parenting had to do with soccer mom and soccer dad. I never I never thought minivan was something that would have to do with prom. The, People but, usually, but it, I, I don't know, if, if we're talking about vehicles, my brain would, would make a nexus between a, a limousine and prom and soccer moms right. with a van. That, that's not, my brain goes straight to that. So I never I never really thought about prom night in a mom and minivan well soccer moms and suvs right but like is there a more (laughs) maybe suvs but like i i was thinking like is there a more appropriate vehicle for a mother to show up in prom with than 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 a minivan because i can't i i don't know maybe an suv but that's that may be i don't know that's the most appropriate thing i can think of for a mom to show up for a mom prom and i didn't first of all i didn't even know moms did prom but I didn't go to my prom, so maybe there were moms in my high school prom, and I don't know. Oh, could have, good, good, good. Where you, where, when was but I these are adult moms. <laughs> these are adult in the sixties. Oh, that's that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's excellent. That's excellent. Very good. Excellent. We're gonna we're gonna have to put in a laugh track for that. Very good. <laughs> Very excellent. But but no, like these are adult moms. But yes, in a minivan, but perfect. Anyway, right. uh, we can do the heat chant if you want, but I guess that joke has passed. Uh, we are recording this on a Sunday morning where the heat have have made it to the second round. Can I just say that this last week for the heat and the Panthers? It's been amazing. It, is this, would this be, would this qualify for those two teams as the best string of most intense and meaningful non-meaningful games right I, I, I think, of, of ever for for those two teams no i think the 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 element of it is the the you know the bar was so low right and nobody expected them to do so well and then that i think that's what made it so meaningful everybody was you know casting them away before even the series started and you know, it's it's a it's a pleasant surprise to see everybody being shot, including myself. You know, including myself. But um, I I think I don't know. I don't want to be sound. I don't want to sound too sentimental. But I think Floridian has some kind of a grit to them, right? And those two teams are are showing are showcasing what Floridian's about after all the hurricanes and the. I'm going back to the to the to the flooding. I think the last week's been has been um, it's been a pleasant surprise. I'd say, and it keeps right. your minds off of everything else. But what I meant was it, it, the most intense, meaningful, non-meaningful games, right? Because well, like, all right, but like, so they were amazing games, these three in a row, like game five of the Heat, even game four of the Heat game, game five of the Heat game, where they came back in the fourth quarter, game five of the Panthers game, game six of the Panthers game, game. right? Yeah. E- extremely crazy, intense games. Right. And they were meaningful, right? Because the Heat came back in game four. It was an elimination game in game five. The Panthers were in two elimination games. games. Incredibly meaningful. But ultimately, they weren't really that meaningful because they were both first-round series. So they were intense, meaningful, but really ultimately not meaningful because they weren't the Stanley Cup finals. They weren't the NBA finals. But they were amazing. 
I agree, but you, you, they might be, you know, not as meaningful as you want it to be because it's not the final. But I will take the one thing that I would take in sports is like anything is possible, and I and I, and I would echo Kevin Garnett saying anything is possible. You know, it's sports. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. true. And it's and true. now and now we get Heat Knicks, and and what were you like, like two years old? Two years old, ten years old, <laughs> when the heat in the next started. Is that is that what you call a, a clap back? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There That's you what go. you get. All righty. The heat, the Knicks were the '90s and the early 2000s. I was a thousand years old when that happens. I mean, they were they were. This was my college and my medical school years when these guys. I hate. There wasn't a team I hated. It probably still isn't a team on the planet that I hate more than the New York Knicks. That includes the Jets. Um, I I don't like the Rangers, but I don't hate them with the passion that I hate the Knicks with. Um, I don't like Notre Dame because I'm a Hurricanes fan, University of Florida football, um, FSU because I'm, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't hate them with like the fire, like, that the movie Clue, where um, right, where that one character was fire on the side of my brain. Like I despise the Knicks, Larry yeah. Johnson and Charles Oakley, and, and and those guys. I can't, I can't stand that team. And even though those guys aren't on that team, I still hate them. It's gonna be awesome. That's all I can say. I mean, I, they they cannot they cannot let us down. He has to be. Forget about the the final the final score. Forget about we advance the 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 series itself. The games have to meet the expectation. I don't even care about who advances. I agree. The popcorn is there. Do not let us down. Do not. I, mean, I agree. To... And the thing is, I agree. And and these players, I don't even think no. Like they probably weren't even born when this happened. Did you see that clip with uh with uh Alonzo Mourning greeting uh Jimmy Butler? And telling oh, he said him, you're, you're my hero. You're my hero. You know that that's <laughs> yeah. a stick for for people like like Zoe. You know retiree all of famers this is back right this is back to their proud the pride you know this is like don't let me down this is so, that means something to me you know but do you think jimmy butler even gets it like no i mean jimmy I, butler wants to win because it. jimmy butler is jimmy butler like jimmy right butler, but do you think he it. wants to win because of zoe no no because i'm so guys I, I think, like I, I think it definitely adds more to it jimmy butler is one of the most polarized players in the nba most conflictive players in the nba he looks for stuff like that he looks for that 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 it factor and to put emotion into things um oh he definitely gets it and and, and i think that heat locker room they're gonna go you know physical it's gonna, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bloodbath I, I think so I think so. And in the Knicks with 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 Thibodeau, though, they play pretty physical too. So it's like really back in the years when both teams were, were very very physical. So we'll see. We shall yeah. see. Yeah. And this is Thibodeau with the Bulls when they right. had the big right. three. You know, right. Like and when they and, had Derrick Rose, this is Thibodeau. Yeah. 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 Jacob Noah. Yeah. He had all the enforcers with him in the Bulls. You know, knocking out heat players on the on the back here. You know, on, on the re end. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. Look, I don't even care if the Heat won a championship. They have to win this series. They have they have to win this series, and then they can right. lose. But right. but then again, if they win this series, then they're going to go up against either the Celtics. They're probably going to end up against either the Celtics or the Seventy Sixers, and then they're going to and then it's again it's another one of these rivalries. And then for me, they're going to have to win that series because I hate either one of those teams too. Um, and then I don't care. Like they don't have to win the finals because I don't I don't really hate any of those teams. But they have to win the rivalry yeah. series for me. Yeah. Yeah. And this one especially, like if they lose to either one of the other rivalries, like if they lose to Philadelphia, fine. I don't like that, but but they have to win this one against the Knicks. They uh, and, cannot and, lose to the Knicks. And I raise you one. If if it's a, I don't think it will. But if the if the Heat lose the series in a, in a sweep, like four zero to the Knicks, I think whatever happened with the Bucks doesn't even count anymore. No, it does absolutely. It doesn't count. It's over. No, it does I mean, not I mean, count. It doesn't, it doesn't count. count anymore. It doesn't you, count. you can't go count. against the Knicks and don't don't at least win a couple of games. You know, you can't. No, so. they they have to win the series. If they lose to the Knicks, nothing what happened with the Bucks counts. It doesn't count. And the Panthers look. The Panthers are in house money right now. Nobody thought they would get to Game Seven with the Bruins. And they're going and back to Boston, whatever happens so. in Game Seven. That's fine. I'm okay with because nobody thought they would get this far, but nobody nobody irks me more uh, you know i don't get rustled 
about any team in this market, even the Dolphins, who was my first love, the Hurricanes and the Dolphins, nobody rustles me more than the Panthers. When I watch their games, I don't get upset about any team in this market more than the Panthers because of what they what they were when they started as the best uh, expansion team ever until go, until the Vegas Golden Knights um, and what they did in, in the 90s right. and what they became. They were a doormat for so long, and now what they are, they yeah. don't rustle. There's no team that rustles me more as far as what they do than than the, the than the Panthers. And yeah. you know, I want them to win, but I don't expect that. But right. if they do, right. then everything they do after that is gravy. Like they win, they don't win. It doesn't matter. They beat Boston. Yeah. That's my finals for them. Yeah. So yeah. go Panthers. It's funny. We're kind of playing the software that's we're kind of playing two. You know the two villain of, if you will, of, of fan bases, Boston fan base and and the Knicks fan base. Those are like the yeah. in sports. Those are those, those are the places that you go. You wanna stick it to them, right? You know, so okay, you guys, you guys take your tough, take this, and and doing that to the Boston uh, fan base and the Knicks fan base would be amazing. Hey, that's right. You, you you can tell we 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 in a playoff season right now because we spent ten minutes talking about sports. Street. You know that know. that's how you know, know. that's how you know we win playoff season NBA NHL. That's how you know. I know, and we're not we're not even like we're we're doing an X's and O's show, and we're not even right. an X's and O's show. But <laughs> but but we we wanted to we wanted to segue into what we actually were going to talk about, and that was um, how the Heat beat the the Bucks. Right. And the reason we segued into this is because, or the reason we started this is to segue into how how the Heat beat the Bucks and how oh, how Giannis's reaction was right. to the way the Heat beat the Bucks and right. his post game interview. And right. I don't know if anybody has heard that post game interview, but he had a very interesting back and forth with a with a Milwaukee reporter. So we have that we have that clip so let's play the clip and then we'll talk about the clip and this is courtesy nba tv i just asked bud the exact same question but i'm curious for you do you view this season as a failure oh my god uh okay because i'm not that up you asked me the same question last year eric okay uh do you get do you get the promotion every year on your job, no, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success, you know. And if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it, you know. Um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other, other people is going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to uh, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we, we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and I, last year I was in the in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back. I love it. I I loved everything about it. I loved it. I mean, you you could you could hear the passion. You could call it passion or frustration. Choose whatever word you like. But I, I loved it for. We can go really deep into it. But I like I like it for one reason. It shows the humanity in, in, in sports. It shows that these, these athletes, and Janice, who, who better than Janice is a prototype athlete? Like, who's better than Janice? You can think about LeBron, but Janice is a guy that you'd say, that guy is bionic. That guy is a, he's a, he's a machine. That guy is a, he's a, you know, he's a bag of bricks. 
And in this interview, you, he shows his emotion that is is human, like like any of us, right? And um, Kobe from that well, Jordan, Kobe, Kobe and Jordan are probably not out of from, from this planet. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I'll, I'll joke aside though. But you you could you could you could hear it in his voice that this guy forget about all his accolades, forget about what he's done in the league, what what he's capable of. But he he spoke from his heart, and you you could tell you could tell that these guys. You know, they, they they have feelings, they're human, and, and it showed in the, in the answer. The reason we played it uh, and the reason we're talking about it is because there was an article that came out in the Milwaukee Journal-Constitution a week ago, a week and a half ago maybe, that Giannis was struggling with his mental health about two or three years ago. And he was actually right around the time he signed his big $230 million contract, which was a max contract at, at the time. And he was, he signed it and he was ready to leave. He was just going to retire, which is to anyone who has never signed a $230 million contract, completely ridiculous. Like you just signed a $230 million contract and you're going to give all of that up because you just want to leave. And he said he was, well, the article, the one thing I got from the article or didn't get from the article was he didn't specify exactly what about his mental health he was struggling with was it depression anxiety something else it just said quote struggling with my mental health or struggling right. with mental health issues uh, right. I, I assume it was depression because when he said he was talking to other athletes he said he was crying again that doesn't assume depression it could be anxiety issues it could be yeah. PTSD issues it could be anything so we're not going to speculate on exactly what it was but the issue was that he was going to walk away from an enormous amount of money because of this and you can see a lot of that sort of reaction and you can't see the video and the audio obviously because this is an audio medium but i encourage people to actually go and watch the youtube video of this in of this question because as soon as he's asked the question, um, you, can see you can hear him go, oh, oh and he yeah. holds his hands in his yeah. head. And he's like, yeah. he, he's frustrated, not only with the loss, but with these kinds of failure questions. Right, right. And, and I think, I think that the article you, you're referring to, I think I am, I'm sorry for that. And you're right. He never said exactly what he dealt with, but there was a lot of uh, allusion to the pressure that, sports bring to, to his life. And then he, he mentioned that he's supporting his family, his mother, you know, I think he mentioned like maybe migrating from Greece. And he, I think he mentioned something like he's never going to be the same ever. Like he, he can't have a personal life. And he acknowledged that in that view that he's never going to be able to walk around and, and not be recognized. He cannot act a certain way. He always has to uphold himself in certain, in certain uh, fashion and standard. And then, and, and I think, the weight of knowing that you're never going to have a personal life, you're never going to be free. I mean, I've never been in, this, in those shoes, but it might it might not be something that most people can deal with. You know, I, I don't know if you, if it's the same thing for Hollywood uh, um, personalities or actors or, what, or whatnot, but it makes sense. Like, you it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're never going to be able to be free if it's not inside of your your four walls at home. Whenever you step out, you're going to have some cameras on you people's gonna dissect every step you make and people's gonna you know critique or or interpret whatever you say you know and the pressure must be enormous and to be a face of the league to be a superstar like janice and knowing that people are, are, are watching you or kids are looking up to you or an entire country are, are you know looking up to you and then forget about the the trophies the, the mvps and then all the the all his prowess but him as a person that must weigh heavy on somebody, you know? And, and I think in that article, that's what I gathered. I gathered that he probably never chose to be that person, but with his God-given talent and what he can do, it comes with the territory. And I think that might cross your mind once or, or twice that are you going to be able to, to, to be happy in life regardless of the money if it, if it's, if that's the circumstances that you have to live your life with him? That's right. And he mentioned that in the article. He said he's about joy. He's a joyful person. He chooses joy. And he wasn't having that and he wanted to have that i guess he got it back um we don't know we didn't interview him yeah he's, he's a funny he's did. a funny guy i, I love when, when, <laughs> he when, be, when, yeah. when he gets when he does when he does his, his, his riddles his jokes yeah i love it yeah he can be but uh you can hear that and you know you know the the thing about people are uh, like you know like how can you walk away from all that money but money 
the cliche money money doesn't buy you happiness what it does buy you is resources and means you know he right. has the resources means. you know it buys you the resources to to become happy if if you choose to right. be that way he does have the resources to have therapists and things like that and that's what he had and right. you know i i don't know if he's there yet uh hopefully but, but, he is i mean he's still right. playing basketball well let, let me ask you what, what what do you think let's do it in two parts what do you think of of, of that question and and maybe we left it we can talk about the the answer that he provided because I, I i gathered this much i gathered that he had a relationship with that with that reporter he he called him by by his first name i think he says eric and he said something to the effect like you again with a question or you asked me that last last time you know so i think they've gone back and forth those two well they have a relationship and, he's a he's right a, he's a journalist in milwaukee probably a yeah, probably a bit writer for for Milwaukee Box or whatever it is. So he, they know each other. The the question I I did not I don't like I said I, I don't know what kind of relationship they have or what kind of discussion they've had prior to this. But the question I didn't really sense any animosity in the question. Like if if Janice and I'm being you know upfront, if Janice didn't answer the way answered, I'm gonna have never thought the question was ill 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 intended. You know maybe the the, the answer he provided shed light to the questions the way it was asked, if you will. No, no. And, and the, the reporter was interviewed on Levitard. So I actually Afterwards? heard the reporter. Yeah. After this. Oh, really? Okay. He was interviewed okay. about this interaction on Levitard. So oh, I, heard I, him, I, I, I need, I need I heard, to look I, up to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard him talk about it and, you know, he said he's, has a relationship with uh, Giannis and they've, he's asked him thousands of questions and he's asked this question before and there's no animosity. And he, he said that Giannis was trying to be very respectful because he said, you, do you get promotions? But he didn't mean you right. as in him personally. As, he meant as you him, as in right. people, right? right. As, as in people, do people get promotions all the time? And, and I, you know, I don't usually have problems with reporters asking questions the, the job of reporters is to ask questions. And I don't have, problems with reporters asking athletes questions, celebrities questions, politicians questions, whatever they want to ask, they have, and they should have the right to ask whatever they want. It's up to whoever they ask that question to, to respond to those questions, however they respond to those questions. The response was whatever the response was, is a non-championship a failure? Um, as a fan, I would say, yeah, it is. You know, he, he said, he asked them he asked them to respond as Jordan, right? Would Jordan consider nine years of the fifteen a failure? I'm not Jordan. Clearly. You probably would have right? said I, yes. I, I wanted to be Jordan uh, actually yeah. when I was a kid. I I identified as Michael Jordan when I was playing basketball on, on the court as a child. May he never and, may he never hear you say that. <laughs> uh, yes, may he never hear me. So so if I can channel my inner child who wants to be Michael Jordan an answer for Michael Jordan as an adult, I will say that Michael Jordan would consider those years a failure. And those initial years that he was in the league that he lost drove him insane to the point where he won six years after that and would have won those other two years if he wasn't suspended by David Stern for gambling. Yes, I said <laughs> but, but, okay. it. Yes, I said it. <laughs> or, or if he, or if he reckless speculation, or, or if he didn't go play baseball, he, he was all right. Hang on a second, I've got to play this sound <laughs> so that we can uh, we can get away with what I just said. Who needs twelve years of education, training, and half a million dollars? Throw away those medical degrees and speak as a regular person. The following opinions are not those of a medical doctor, professional, hospital, or institution. Okay, we're good. Yes, Michael Jordan was suspended by David Stern for those two years for gambling. And that's why he went to play baseball, okay? Yeah. That's why he went yeah. to play baseball. And, and sure. if he wasn't, he would have won those two years too. He would have won eight in a row, okay? Yeah. So, but yeah, listen, I said it. You, so, so Janice, Janice mentioned MJ in the nine years that he didn't win. But he also said it's a journey. In, in, you know, I'm, going, I'm going to paraphrase what he said in essence. He said it's a journey. The, the years that you don't win, you're working towards a goal. And I would side with them and say, Jordan became Jordan because he, he lost so many times before he started winning, right? right? You have to go to the, to, to, the, to the trenches. You have to suffer. You have to learn defeat. You have to go through to the, to the X and O's and the mistakes and so you can learn from them. 
I think we you know in society we have we have a problem of what I like to call absolutism. It's either yes or no, it's either left or right. There's no in in, in between. I think both answers are, are correct. I think what Janine said is completely hundred percent right. When you lose, you have to have a mindset that you you lost the game or the fun or whatever, but this is adding to your experience, right? This is adding to your craft, it's adding to what's to come further. It's up to you to use that experience for uh, for, for improvement, right? It's not, somebody said there's, there's no something as failure. Uh, a failure is what, what builds character, right? And then if you see in that light, maybe philosophically, or maybe to get out of the way of, of the questioning, you answer a certain way that nobody can say it's a bad answer because you, you answer it perfectly. It might be a cop out, but um, I, I can't I can't dispute it. Jordan became Jordan because he lost before. That there's no doubt about it. He he was bitter. He hated everybody in the league, and he, he got as good as he got. He wiped everybody else after that because it's tongue. No, it was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this, but uh, I, I love the I love the intro. So thank you to Cy- thank about... you to Cypress Hill for not allowing <laughs> us to use that sound. <laughs> uh, uh, but but were, a, were you also a... two years old when that came out? Probably was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a it's a perfect way to bring up the next topic. We we're gonna talk about you know the the hype around psychedelic medicine. You know I am careful. I put the word medicine after it, but I could have said we're gonna talk about magic mushroom, right? It's the same thing. And, oh, and I have a beef, that... but I have a beef with that. We'll unpack everything. I have a beef with that. I have a beef with. There's the, so many more than that. I know. I have a beef with the nomenclature, if you will, the way they use how to name certain things when they want to use it for certain things. But we'll we'll unpack that. But there's there's that great articles, like beautiful article. It's kind of long. It took me a while to you know to digest it, and it's a it's a ESPN article. And at the risk of butchering the the writer's name, um, I'll you know I'll give props for props too because it's the time to do it. The Southern Investigative Report was done by two guy named Malkin Harlock and Kevin von Wackenberg. And apparently, for what I've gathered, it's been a a research article for the past couple of years because they went over time to follow what happened. And basically, what what is what does it talk about is uh those guys the the writers they went down to Jamaica right to a to a retreat right uh, a retreat called where else would they go right uh, well <laughs> I, there's a reason why Jamaica they could have been, the the company I'm gonna be friends to is from Canada and they have some partners in Oregon and, and I believe in Colorado but nowadays right now both in Canada and the U.S. psychedelics are still illegal right stay tuned for Oregon and Colorado they might soon vote laws against that or by allowing that should I say. Anyway, the writers went down to Jamaica in a retreat called the Good Hope Estate, and the 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 Good Hope Estate is run by a Canadian company that is, you know, researching and conducting research on on psychedelic mushrooms or psilocybin or psilocybin, the way you want to say it. And in in just that retreat brought about a few retired retired athletes from the NHL, the NFL, even a few boxers that have been dealing with issues with anxiety, depression, and mostly a lot of pain condition, right? A lot of high-impact sports, those boxers, NHL and NFL players, in the in the story, they all give testimony to their career, how violent their career was, and how many TBS they, they've had, how many, you know, broken jaw they've had, how many injuries they've had, and how they've been dealing with pain since retirement. And and mostly, universally, all those, these athletes that went to that retreat said this the business the same thing in essence that conventional medicine had failed them meaning they were all saying that they've tried a, a, a slew of medicine um they've seen a slew of doctors psychologists psychiatrists like like we are and they've tried a bunch of pills painkillers antidepressant anxiety medication and they never felt any relief and it's a, it's a very poignant article you know it, it goes very deep a lot of them i say most of them in the article admitted that they had suicidal tendencies um, they were very close to act on those ideas and those thoughts until somebody called them and say, would you like to go to Jamaica and 
and do magic mushroom. And I'm doing the L quote, right? It's, it's much more scientific than that. And do magic mushroom. And basically, if you read the article, it doesn't lead you. The article is not pro or against. It's just, I guess, uh, counting the, the the events as as they went by, right? It was a study. You know, they measured vitals. They did brain imaging. You know, they did uh, EEGs, which is a electroencephalogram that you do to to measure brain wave and brain activities before and after the administration of the of the psilocybin. And they measured that in time. They even take genetic samples, saliva to send to to labs and see if there's any genetic um genetic predisposition for x y and z responses fast forward to the after the the experience they interviewed uh, the the athletes in the participant of the study and they all some of them had well virtually all of them had different reaction to the to the experience but they all virtually all of them said it was eye-opening to them in in different ways some said it gave them clarity others said they never felt so free Others said that they felt ready to face the world after that. Others, others said that it was a transcending experience that they were able to, to face their trauma and they were able to see things in a different light. They were able to get out of the body and out of the, the, the mind to be more objective about what they've been dealing with. Basically being out of their cycle, their, the brain cycle, right? Their repetitive pattern and, and repetitive thoughts. So it's all beautiful and, and nice and everything. But what the, the the article failed to go deeper into is the science of it, right? They mentioned some science, they mentioned some studies here and there, but they didn't really have enough, I guess, meat on the bone as of uh, how that works. How is that mechanism of action provide a kind of, of, um, of response? They alluded to some ongoing researches, but they also said, they admitted that the, the science is not yet up to date. And the one theme, I gathered from the article is that, and we can get into it in detail, is that the hype of using psilocybin is outpacing the science, meaning the science is there, it's slow, but maybe with the advent of social media and, and people having a platform and talking about the hype of psilocybin, that hype, that publicity is outpacing the science, meaning there's too much credit given to psilocybin without knowing the side effects, without knowing the way it works. And people are investing money Right, those big firms, those big, uh, not I wouldn't say pharma, but those big, for, um, uh, what do you call them now, uh, natural medicine firms, you know, that that promote cannabis or, or psilocybin, they're putting money into the studies, and the studies are rushed most of the time just to get a, you know, a result, but it's not done as you would do a FDA uh, caution or a DA caution study where it goes for phase one, phase two, and and whatnot. So that that's just of the story. But yeah, we can get into it, and and I, I invite anybody to go read the article. It's a very long article, but it's, it's really eye opening and it's very long. You, it's very long, but if you, and I, and I will tell you, I will, I'm as a psychiatrist, I've always been a skeptic of, of psilocybin, and I, I I would admit with you, is, is you know we don't know what we don't know. It's a field of the unknown, and reading that article kind of gave me more of a background and more of a humble stance before I judge psilocybin. I should probably do my research. Because there's one thing that's indeniable is that whoever tried, I don't know the extent of everybody tried, but whoever tried that the, the, that treatment in this article, they all said something positive about it. They, intrinsically, individually, they all said something positive about it. So who am I to say it's not working, right? Who am I to say you shouldn't do it? Now, this is a microcosm, right? What, happen, what happened to the a thousand of people doing psilocybin? And we can talk about that in side effects and, and, and risk of using psilocybin. But um, yeah, okay. there's some good to it. Yeah. So, speaking of articles, I do want to make one correction from the previous segment. I think I called the the article about Giannis from the Milwaukee Journal-Constitution. It's actually the Milwaukee Journal-Sentinel, and the article was written by Lori Nickel. So if you want to go look it up, it's the Milwaukee Journal-Sentinel written by Lori Nickel. Okay. My apologies for that. So yeah, so just a brief history lesson on on uh, psychedelic research. The psychedelics, this is not new. No, you wouldn't know the research on this stuff. This, you wouldn't right. know. No, you, you, you know wouldn't know. Because, you wouldn't know because uh, yeah, I would know because I'm yeah. a dinosaur, of course, and I was I was around when the the research was being done. Of course, it was. It's been be. It was done. It it started being done around the fifties peaked around the 60s and it was stopped in the 70s because of laws that were brought on because psychedelics were terrible things that murdered people and led to murder and things like that of that nature of course 
these laws about drugs, let's, let's just not get into the politics of this stuff because that that's, we're going to get off track. <laughs> you're no, not going to, you're not, not going to say anything about that. No, no, I, I'm not. I'm going to finish, but that you said politics. There's an anecdotal, you know, information I have to give you about politics and scheduled drugs. And we'll talk about it in a second, but go on. You, okay. All right. Anyway. So it was, it was, the research was stopped until about the mid nineties and then it was rekindled and then it sort of exploded in the 2000s and it around peaked in uh, 2020 and it's still ongoing. The most common psychedelic that is being studied right now is MDMA and it's primarily being studied for PTSD. The next most common is psilocybin, which is the compound in mushrooms. And that is being studied for major depression. There are other ones, LSD, ayahuasca, which is Aaron Rodgers' favorite compound, which is, uh, it has compounds in it, but the primary compound in it is DMT, and also DMT is being studied. But uh, the, the primary ones is MDMA and psilocybin. And do they work? The question is usually what I get from people who want to justify their own use of it. And as a doctor, we can't tell people to go out and use these things because they're not FDA approved. But I do want to read the conclusion from one of the studies. This was a study done, and I want to give credit to the uh, the authors, Anderson, Harris, Erizzo, butcher, uh, Anderson, Harris, Nutt, Erizzo, done in the UK. And I want to read the conclusion. The resurrection of clinical psychedelic research provides early evidence for treatment efficacy and safety for a range of psychiatric conditions and constitutes an exciting new treatment avenue in a health era with major unmet needs. So, yeah. Well, that, that's, very, that's very bold. That, that's very bold. Um, they seem to think so. That's very bold. Uh, I, yeah, it is. You know, there's multi, There's many studies, I mean, many studies that, that do the, show an effect. Yeah, there's so much layer to it, man. I mean, if we go into layers, it's going to take an hour, but there's something that we cannot, you know, finish not, not mentioning. I think the, the complexity the difficulty in studying psilocybin is that it's an allucinogenic, right? So most studies, you know, and I'm not going to go into scientific mode now, but most studies, you know, you have to have a comparison effect, right? If they do placebo and they do the, the, the intervention group, they compare the placebo group to the intervention group to see what the outcome. The issue with psilocybin and all the allucinogenic, like if you go in a study, they tell you this is placebo, you're going to get placebo, you're going to get the drug, right? As soon as you get the psilocybin, you will know it's on placebo. There's no such thing as placebo when you take when, when you take allucinogenic, right? So the effect that you would get afterwards, it's already tainted. You know you're taking the medication. So you don't know if it's knowing that you've been administered the medication, which is a, an effect already in well, itself. Yes. Like, I, it's, yes it's and no. Difficult. I mean, yes, yes and no, but that doesn't mean that. So yes, the studies, a lot of the studies were open label for, for they, that they can do it otherwise. Reason. Like, but, but that doesn't mean that they're not, that doesn't mean that they, that's not, they don't work either. Right? I, I so think, I, I think it's difficult. And, and I'm going to, and I'm going right. to, I'm going to give you the rebuttal for that in a second, but I do want to, I do want to quickly discuss the mechanism of, of why sure. they yeah, work yeah. or why, right, right. why, why we think they work. For and depression, the anxiety, best, or whatnot. The, the best person on the planet to give you this is a guy named Stephen Stahl. And if you haven't Paul. heard Stephen Stahl talk, <laughs> you absolutely must hear this man speak. Especially if you're a doctor, you not, you need to hear this man speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a clip from him that's don't, on YouTube. Don't, don't they call him the, the father of, of um, psychopharmacology? He's the father of something. The man has a ridiculous amount of, of credentials. I'm just going to read a yeah. few of them. And this isn't even all of them. Okay. I've heard him speak many, many times. But uh, so he has an undergraduate and an MD degree from Northwestern University, a PhD in pharmacology and physiology from the University of Chicago, and three, three medical specialties in internal medicine, neurology, and psychiatry. And he's board certified in psychiatry, and that's not even everything. Okay. So my, my little board certification in psychiatry, yeah. I can go stuff. away with that. So I, I can go away with that. So I can take myself to Orlando with that stuff. That's that's <laughs> that's nonsense. 
Yeah. And, and, and if you heard him speak, he's very animated. He's a lot of fun and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's a, yeah. This video, I think they sedated him for this video because he's not <laughs> as animated. For, but th this video is from uh, a place called the Neuroscience Education Institute, which is a, a place that he does work and he does education and he does some he videos and I yeah. encourage you to go on YouTube and look this up and watch these videos because he explains brain science in a way that is extremely easy for people to understand. I agree. So I agree. this is him explaining the pathway. Okay. Uh, so before I, before I play the mechanism of action of psychedelics is, is modulated through the agonism of 5-HT2A receptors. And in English for people that aren't doctors that are listening to this is there's a particular serotonin receptor. There's many serotonin receptors, but there's one in particular called 5-HT2A, 5-HTT chemical name for serotonin. serotonin. And there's a subset of receptors, the 2A receptor. And agonist means it activates it. Right. Antagonism means it deactivates it. So it activates these particular subset of receptors, which creates downstream effects into the brain. Now it happens to be that the 5-HT2A receptor is a glutamate receptor that's a particular neurotransmitter, which is what happens when you activate this particular receptor. And he's going to explain what happens and, when all of this happens. Okay. And, so and, and, this and, is Steven Stahl. But I would add that this is something that you have in common with antidepressant. That's why people are pushing that narrative that it could use for depression because most, if not the majority of them, antidepressant out there also works on that same um, receptor, right? And there's other anecdotal data or or scripture saying that you know, psilocybin may also cause neuroplasticity, meaning um, creating more neural pathways. Correct. Right? So, That's right. And and he's going to actually mention this too. So 5-HT2 is, is now... Uh, one of the receptors that's that's activated has uh, use in new of the, some of the new mood stabilizers. I'm not going to mention sure. any of their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but some of the new mood stabilizers, you guys can look them up. Five uh, HT2 is a big receptor in that, mm -hmm. big 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 time receptor in that. So here is uh, Stephen Stahl discussing the mechanism and downstream action of psychedelics. Let's put a hallucinogen in, psilocybin, mescaline. So it stimulates these receptors and it causes you to have a mystical experience, a visual hallucination, and maybe a cure from your treatment-resistant depression. One thing they don't tell you and not shown here is that 5-HT2A agonists also cause neurite formation, which means it sprouts little connections and it may not be the hallucinations of psilocybin which is therapeutic although some people think you have to have a trip or it won't work i don't think so i actually side with the point of view that the hallucinations are a side effect and an epiphenomenon what really is the reason that uh, these drugs work is to cause neurite formation Right now, you need to know that it these indeed psilocybin mescaline lsd all can cause too much stimulation of these receptors, neurite formations are not, and it's gonna make you hallucinate. So this video was about uh, psychosis, okay? And so what he was talking about in this video was you give these psychedelics, they go in then and they, so if you take them exogenously, right, not medically, they go in, they excite the 5-HT2 receptors, which gets serotonin from the Rafi nucleus. The Rafi nucleus is located in the brainstem. It emits serotonin to the 5-HT2 nucleus, 5-HT2 uh, receptors, which is what the psychedelics hit. That pops them. They release glutamate into the mesolimbic system. The mesolimbic system is full of dopamine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dopamine is the theory on psychosis. That releases a ton of dopamine. Dopamine is where you get delusion, delusions and hallucinations. Okay. And that's that's why you the, the positive symptoms. Right. That's right. And you get the positive symptoms of schizophrenia and, and, and all these other, you know, uh, the, the psychosis the, associated with bipolar disorder and all this stuff. So right, right. That, that's what he's talking about. But, but, but now if you control the, the dose, and, and again, this is complete medical speculation. And I think this is what that's being studied is if you control the dose of the of the psychedelics, if you can find a way to control the dose of the psychedelics to reasonable doses that are not 
the exogenous doses that you take, you know, the street or you get from the shaman that Aaron Rodgers was getting from, sorry, Aaron, you know, in his, in his black dungeon of, of solitude where he decided that he wanted to be a New York jet. I think he took a little too much ayahuasca. <laughs> and <clears throat> if you, if you control those doses, you may get just the right amount of stimulation where you don't get the side effects of hallucinations and delusions, but you do get the neurite formation, the neuron formation, the expansion of that part of it. And you get the response for depression. And I think that's what they're studying. And that may be what's showing up on these studies. Right. You know, I, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, hallucinations, delusions, and dopamine uh, um, excitation and, and pathways and as, as part of side effect, right? One thing people don't mention enough, and I, I'm just going to be, you know, try to be less um, scientific and more uh, layman terms. Why do people that, that go to raves, right? The rave parties, they do mushrooms and do X amount of, you know, uncontrolled doses. Why are they the, the happiest people? You know, I've known people that have gone to, to raves and they're still depressed, <laughs> right? They're not cured from depression, right? They, they're not cured from depression. So that, that's just, that's just a parenthesis. It's like kind of like a joke. But what people don't mention in those retreats, in those you know, psychedelic um, treatments or, or clinic, it's, by the way, it's all cash pay. They don't mention the human factor of it, right? They don't mention the therapist that's in the room. You know why? Because if they did mention it, it would be a, a negative publicity. The reason there's a therapist in the room Yes, they, they conduct a session, they do deep breathing exercises, they do yoga, they do sound healing. There's maybe a good therapist there that helps you process a trauma that you've gone through during, the, during the, the bad trip. But the other reason the therapist is there is for safety reason, right? And there's, there have been cases that people have done, you know, psychedelic in a, in, a, in a setting, right, in a clinic, and then they wake up in a trance, in a bad trip, and they, they, they storm out of the room. Yeah. You know? And they even mentioned that, some clinics they even said you should not be on the second floor the third floor fourth floor you should be on the first floor because people have have have, have been known to wake up in a frenzy and wanting to jump out the window right because it's the, it, it can cause like one of the side effects the battery could cause a x amount of fear and restlessness and psychosis that you want to flee for your life literally and you can run through the street and run into traffic those are the things i don't mention when they say psychedelic works so in my, my my second part of the of the of the what i'm studying is that maybe it's not just the psychedelic that's doing the work maybe it's a conjunction of the psychedelic and the therapist right maybe he's a therapist doing the work and psychedelic medicine is helping to process the trauma and helping you to op to, to have more openness to the, to the therapist right so well okay i mean is it is it the lexapro or is it the lexapro and the psychiatrist that's a good question that's a good question I, right. I, 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 would, I would bet to say maybe it's both, right? Maybe it's both. Because I how many like times it. have you given Lexapro and they've come back in a month and they're like, I got better the first week. The, the soon as I took it, I got better. And it's like, it doesn't work that yeah, way. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> it. It doesn't it's work that quickly. Else. Right. right. Or, or, or the ticket is, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, it's like, well, are you doing anything besides that? Are you, are you talking to a therapist or are you processing the, 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 the stressors in your life? You know, maybe I always say, your medication do not, do not change your circumstances. It does not change the trauma. It doesn't change your, what happened to you. It doesn't change that you get divorced. It doesn't change anything. It helps you cope with the symptoms, but it doesn't change anything. So are you doing any therapy? Don't, don't be fooled and think I'm going to take psilocybin. I'm going to be cured. I don't think that that's that simple. No, but we can't deny that this is a, a, a very interesting new, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm actually quite excited Impressed. about uh, the potential of being able to prescribe these things. I think, I think we can see where we fall, the sides that we fall on this. Right. No, no, but talking I, about it. But I don't deny, I don't deny that there's no effect. There's actually, there's an effect. Like people mention they feel something different. And what, what, we, what I've read is that there's a, there's a dissociation that happens, right? And, you know, people that know dissociation, it's when you, you leave reality setting, right? You, you're out of the reality, right? You lose touch with reality. Right. But and are those the, the, side effects? No, no, I was going to say. So the, the therapists use that dissociation as a way of seeing you being open to new alternatives so people that are depressed and anxious they're mostly stuck in a pathway they're stuck in a in a loop 
If it's anxiety, the, the anxiety, the thoughts, the worries, you're just stuck in it. You can get out of it. If it's depression, you're stuck in that, in that belief that you're never going to be happy. You're always going to be sad. And that's what anxiety and depression is. Anxiety, you tend to worry more about the future. In depression, you tend to worry more about the past. But you're stuck in those worries. So what, what, this, what they think that psilocybin is doing is that, that dissociation, when it happens, it allows you to get out of that loop to step outside of yourself, to be open about the possibilities that you might be happy. You know, there's a possibility of you being happy. You might be less anxious if you think about things differently. And then that's that's when the therapists interject. That's when they do the integration after the after the session. That's when you do the the discuss the trauma that you've, you you live through the trance or the bad trip. And that's why I think that maybe the medicine, I'm going to give it a credit, maybe the medicine that you're being administered, maybe just a, a mean for you to have a proper, meaningful encounter with a with a therapist. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're underestimating the value of it. That I agree that they're going to need people are going to need therapy for depression no matter what. But if this is if this works the way it's studied to be working, let's just say this is going to be an alternative to antidepressants. It's going to be the antidepressant. So you're going to take it similar to an antidepressant. Just to respond to your you know, these are open label studies and they don't, you know, you know, you're taking it there. There were two large double blind, randomized placebo controlled studies and they were crossover studies. So what happened was they gave one group, the psychedelic, and they gave the other group a psychedelic at a low ineffective dose. So both groups got a psychedelic one, the, the high dose effective group got better. The low dose did not improve. And then they crossed over. In other words, they took the group that wasn't getting the high dose and they gave them the high dose and they took the group that was getting the low dose and they gave them, uh, sorry, they gave the low dose, the high dose, and they gave the high dose, the low dose. They crossed them over. Okay. And the low dose group that now got the high dose got better. And the other group started to get worse and they did it again. There was another study like that and they had similar yeah. results yeah there's also so, a study yeah uh, yeah i mean look it, it's a long, it, it they still have to get through phase three on these right. things which right, is what you need to get to the fda but the, the, the question i the question i cannot answer and sorry if i cut you off is that i cannot answer if if the benefic beneficial effect is it the is it the hallucin the hallucinogenic part of it like it's me going into a trance seeing things seeing visions seeing voices is it the reason I'm feeling happier or is there really according to Stephen Stahl it's the neurites is the neurites right that, according to that's what he said he believes he didn't say he's confident about it he, he, he said he thinks it might be the neuroplasticity that's doing the effect most people out there thinks for I've read they think is experience of it, meaning meaning the instinctual event, meaning the trends. And you, you're not going to have uh, neuroplasticity within an hour or within four hours. Well, okay. No. Okay. But in the studies, there's no side effects. There's no hallucinations. There's no delusions. And the people are getting better. So okay. what is it? It's not it's not the trick, okay. right? But you, you need to understand, right? Like the people that are listening to this need to understand that when you get it off the street from your boy, or, in, a, or in a plastic your, bag, your right, girl, in a, in a, right? In a Ziploc bag. <laughs> it's 2023, so we should say when you get it from your person, right? Right. Uh, you're you you're you're getting it in an unregulated dose. You have no idea what dose is in that mushroom, right. or that pill that you're getting it in. So you're going to get a dose that you're going to trip in because that's the point of that thing. You want the trip, right? So yeah. you're not only getting the, the neuroplasticity from it, but you're going to get the hallucination. That's the whole point of it. So yeah. you can't, you're not going to be able to tell which is, which helped you. Was it the trip right. or was it the, the formation of the neurons? Right? right. So, but, but the point of these studies is to find out whether or not doctors yeah. can give it at a dose that is controlled without the hallucinations and without the psychotic effects and right. still get, the effect on depression and early indications is yes that's true but it's we're not there yet right we're not there yet. and and these are effects across the board uh when i went to apa last year 
this is across the board. This is not just PTSD and depression and anxiety. This is also for alcohol use disorders, tobacco, right, right, ADHD, right. which to me doesn't make any sense at all for ADHD because how can you focus on something like that? But I, so it, it almost seems too good to be true. And I'm a cynic when something seems too good to be true, it is, but. And, and listen, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention more side effects. Let, let's put aside the, the bad trip, you know, let's put aside the, the hallucinations. There's also anecdotal report from the studies that some people, uh, I, I don't exactly know the percentage, may come out with new psychiatric conditions, anxiety, depression, because of the trauma they experienced during that experience, right? Things that they relieved that they didn't know how to process with. And there's one that's even more serious that we have to mention um is uh your genetic genetic predisposition I, I i know you're familiar with the the two hit hypothesis for schizophrenia right which basically said that for schizophrenia to happen um there have to be a combination of uh, a genetic predisposition for schizophrenia coupled with a with a developmental insult okay and with uh if you add something to it right if you add something into in the mix if you will and that thing is an hallucinogenic right so my point being is that you might have a predisposition genetically to be more prone to psychotic disorders and then you experiencing and it's the same thing for cannabis by the way you experiencing with 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 a uh, psilocybin and, and cannabis uh, or hallucinogens hallucinogen of that you know kind you probably playing around with the with the russian roulette right so you don't know how you will react and and I don't know the doses to your point, if it's if it's small doses, if it's, you know, a, a bag of mushroom at a rave concert at Ultra, I don't know. But it's well-defined that schizophrenia doesn't happen to be, in, in, you know, out of the blue. You have genetic prescription for it, and you may develop schizophrenia, you may not. But if you add stuff to it, why don't everybody who smoke, who smoke pot become schizophrenic, right? Not all of them become schizophrenic, because but there's going to be one or two of your friends, they're going to be... They're going to be helped during the psychosis, and they're going to be most of your friends are going to be working hard, parenting your, your children, being put in society, but also smoking your, you know, two drinks a day, right? So, ask yourself a question: Which where do you fall in that in that equation? What you don't know your genetic component, so that's why the research is very important, and that's why we cannot let the hype go faster than the research. It's a race, you know. They have to, you know, they have to go hand to hand. Mental health tip of the day time again. Day full of hiccups? Need a shakeup? Listen up. It's Dr. Bick and Dr. DeGrasse mental health tip of the day. And as always, your mental health tip of the day is brought to you by no one yet again. No one. Eight, no one eight episodes in. Still no sponsors. Somebody but step up. Somebody. Somebody get, get it together, guys. Get it together. Your mental health tip of the day today for this for this week is actually brought to you by sports psychology it's uh, on twitter at sport psych tips and it is quite simple after you make a mistake in a game remember that there's nothing you can do about it so you might as well forget about it stay positive and focus on the next play and i really love this because it's not just in sports it's really in life right yeah yeah you know you know coaches like to say um good players have very short memory right so you do a mistake that's right about it and it never happened go forward you know and it, it's in real life you make a mistake in life acknowledge it leave it behind and go forward you know don't don't dwell into it you know don't 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 ponder and then it's already happened nothing you can do about it that's right i i tell i tell a lot of my patients that you can control what you can control you can't control what you can't focus on what you can do. And this is, this is an offshoot of that. You know, you made a mistake. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. You can't control yeah. it. It's in the past. We don't have uh, doc Brown's time machine yet. I wish we did. That'd be cool, but we don't. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. Yeah. 
it's like that what, what's up prayer the, the serenity player of the prayer is that uh give me the serenity prayer accept, yeah yeah give me strength to accept the things i cannot change uh what is the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference you got to be careful yeah. with that remember seinfeld serenity now insanity later <laughs> yeah. Were you oh, two well. years old when Seinfeld came out too? No, come on, come on. Give me credit. I was only like three or four years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. But that—that that oh, is boy. the mental health tip of the day, and that is our show for this week on uh, guys. on psychedelics. I um I know I know some of you enjoyed this one, but uh yeah, we'll get to you. We'll get to you uh real soon next time i guess be well all right bye everyone the previous podcast represented the individual opinions of dr dimitri bick dr stefan de graf and the guests it should not have been taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions